This presentation is from UX Australia 2019, Sydney. I'm really happy to um, introduce both Libby and Celso up to the stage. They're going to be talking to us about increasing access for those hardest to reach. Hello. Uh, my name is Celso. I'm the design director at Tiger Spike, and co-presenting with me today is Libby. Hi, I'm Libby. I'm from 1800 Respect, project manager. Now, the trauma-informed story of Sunny and today's presentation is really about Libby and us highlighting some of the key moments and learnings from the design of this wonderful little app called Sunny. Um, in the talk, we'll try and just focus on the practical application of um, trauma-informed design principles and really touch on some of the considerations when engaging with people that are vulnerable. Now, traumatizing events such as war, natural disaster, um, child abuse, and domestic violence can have a really severe impact on how people um, can communicate, how they can answer basic questions, um, or even just think and act rationally. Trauma-informed design seeks to recognize those effects and then serve an experience that is not going to further traumatize or re-traumatize that user. Originally, it was conceived to, as guidelines for the design of inclusive physical spaces, such as hospitals, homeless shelters, schools. And they are underpinned by five basic principles. Safety, trustworthiness, choice, collaboration, and empowerment. Now, as this practice starts becoming more fluent in the digital space, as services and products become digitized, and access to real users becomes increasingly limited, it's more important than ever that we try and design programs and systems for those that are hardest to reach. Thanks, Elso. Um, as I said, my name's Libby. I'm from 1800 Respect. We're the National Sexual Assault Domestic Violence Counselling Service. We offer 24-hour-a-day counselling for anyone who's experiencing family violence, domestic violence or sexual assault, as well as an online chat service. Um, we're funded by the federal government to run that service. Um, at certain times, we get given projects that are outside of our daily core business about areas of need. And we found that, um, and I'll show you some pretty alarming statistics about the violence towards women with disabilities that, that prompted this project. So 20% of the Australian population are um, Australian women, um, Australian women with disabilities, so that equates to about 2 million women. What we know is that one in five women with disabilities have experienced sexual violence. Sorry. And 40% of women with disabilities are more likely to experience violence in comparison to, their, to women without disabilities. We also know that women with disabilities are less likely to be believed if they've experienced abuse and are less likely to report it. And probably the statistic that keeps me up at night is that 90% of women with intellectual disabilities have experienced some type of sexual abuse and 68% of these have experienced this before they're 18. So because of these, these statistics, in 2016, Women with Disabilities Australia, who are a peak advocacy organisation for women with disabilities, um, were given a project to really look at the way that 1800 Respect 
direct um, response to women with disabilities when they are experiencing this. So it was a six-month project and it started off with 100 women with disabilities from across Australia um, coming together to give suggestions on how we could better improve uh, our service. In the end, there was a report which had about 50 recommendations on how we, can um, how we could improve our service. And I guess one of the most important ones and the ones that was posed to us as a challenge was that existing resources are not tailored to the specific needs of women with intellectual disabilities, constraining their capacity to safely and effectively engage with services and support. So, where do we start? We knew that if we were going to, we, we got given some, some funding to deliver a project, and I knew that if we were going to deliver a quality product that could help women with disabilities, that we needed to develop this in co-design with women with disabilities. We were lucky to work with eight women with disabilities from across Australia who are involved with the project from inception to the deployment of, of, of the app. Some of these women had disabilities that affected their, um, their vision, some had hearing impairments, some had intellectual disabilities, some had um, acquired brain injuries, and some had disabilities that affected their movement. Um, some had also been um, survivors of some pretty traumatic sexual and domestic violence. So this is our expert advisory group. So the journey begins. Yeah, and um, as our journey began, we, we realized that we've done a lot of work with 1-800-RESPECT in the past, and we're quite familiar with the digital products in the sector, but we hadn't really taken a focus on intellectual disability. And so understanding our user, uh, this audience context and specific needs was really important. We began with just trying to understand the impact that intellectual disability has on everyday living, and at the same time, um, how the different types of violence and abuse as defined by 1-800-RESPECT um, is experienced by women with disabilities. When aligning our approach and designing some of the activities and the engagement, there were, um, we, we really wanted to underpin all of it um, with the trauma-informed principles that I spoke about earlier. And, and so every, all the um, activities that we planned um, and every time that we spoke with some of these users, um, we, there were certain considerations that we had to take in mind and here are some of those key ones. Okay, thanks, Celso. Okay, so I guess there's kind of eight main areas that we can, took into consideration when working with people who had women who'd experienced trauma, but people in general, these are, these are for both genders. Um, we always allowed to, within the, within the room setting, we always um, positioned the person near the door. So if we were speaking about some quite, quite often traumatic experiences, we wanted the door to be quite accessible so if that person needed to have a little bit of time out that they could easily get there without having to kind of go in and out of seats and particularly those women who, who were in wheelchairs. We also avoided sitting or standing behind the participant, particularly when we were doing that kind of you know, user testing. Um, we found that we never wanted to stand behind any, any of the women to, to, and for them to feel like we were monitoring their movements because we wanted their true responses. So we'd always sit beside um, or just, just generally in the room with them, but not behind them. 
Where possible, we conducted the interviews in a room that wasn't corporate um, for some of our um, women in the expert advisory group. We had a, a particular cafe that we would go to. It was a quiet cafe. Um, so, you know, so it wasn't busy and so it allowed for that kind of, you know, it allowed for a kind of peaceful environment. And we, you know, it's really important to kind of really stay away from those institutional type rooms. No one wants to be in there. That's not, not going to be conducive to um, good conversation or, or real thoughts. We also made the participant aware that um, they could stop the, the interview or the session any time they wanted to. We were really upfront with how long things would take. Um, we would say to them if they needed a break, that's not a problem, no judgment. We understood that. And of course, you would have your ample water and tissues within arm's reach. We also scheduled more time for the interviews. So we wouldn't do your 40-minute interviews in and out. So, for example, and as you'll see a bit later, one of our participants, Ange, um, she, she speaks at a slower pace because of her injury. So sometimes a one-hour interview might take three hours, but that was really important to set aside those three hours because then we really got her true voice and her true thoughts on, on development and, and her ideas. We're also really aware that for some, telling your story can be quite therapeutic, but for others, it can be, um, can be quite distressing. And especially sometimes in a group environment, we're really aware of that. So, um, you know, we'd always offer um, follow-up counselling with 1-800-RESPECT, but also check in with each other as well, because we're always hearing pretty traumatic stories. So, just something to be super aware of. So, That's sorry. great. So with these key considerations in mind, um, we were ready to have our first meeting with the EAG. And um, when we went to meet with them, we weren't very, um, um, I guess, certain about the level of um, confidence or comfort with applications, with devices, with content. Um, but we were quite surprised with the findings and specifically with the, the apps and the interactions that they were quite used to. Um, one of the key findings is that easy English content is, is key when delivering content to an audience like this. Um, and that means that we would need to have content written um, at a literacy level of a five to a six-year-old. Um, at the same time, iconography or illustration that can supplement the easy English content played a vital role in helping with the comprehension and retention of the content. At the same time, facilitated um, the EAG members navigating through the app and through some of the content. Um, they. Um, they reacted really positively and uh, really appreciated the um, encouraging tone that conversational interfaces provided. We tested a few with them and, um, and they're quite familiar with um, Facebook Messenger. We're not surprised most of them were on the Facebook app and, uh, and they're quite used to those interactions. And so that gave us an idea of how to potentially consider an alternative method to allow um, 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 users to navigate through content um, through an inter uh, a conversational interface. And then the quick exit button, um, a, a preferred feature in the sector to be able to hide the nature of the app in case uh, the uh, device usage is being monitored. But uh, some of the apps that we tested, you would use a shaking gesture to try and hide the app. And that wouldn't really suit some of the um, members that had mobility impairment. So we had to think of another way, a much easier way to do it. And at the same time, making it too difficult to access, hiding it too well wouldn't necessarily suit the findability of, of the app and the functionality at the same time. 
Moving from there, we then um, facilitated a feature workshop and, and all of these activities were done in collaboration with the EAG members. Um, and the features workshop, we, we began with first asking all the applicants to, um, to tell us what each of these principles meant to them. Um, so safety, trustworthiness, what does choice mean to them, collaboration, empowerment. And once we achieved that frame of mind, um, we then moved to ideating against the, sta the stages of change model, which is an industry accepted model that tracks the journey of someone experiencing trauma. And so we ideate ag against each one of these stages to really identify the needs um, of this audience. When designing for and with um, people that are vulnerable, it's really important to have continuous collaboration and iterative testing, specifically when access to uh, these users is really limited. So we produced over 12 prototypes to test and validate our concepts um, over a series of seven interviews with EAG members. Um, we then had a, a naming workshop um, that they all contributed to, and we produ uh, produced over 70 names, which is a lot, very interesting names, um, which were then uh, used to divide into two brand directions that helped with the design of Sunny. We then wrote those directions out to make it easier for the um, EAG members to be able to understand what they meant and what they would represent because they are co-designing this app with us. So the first direction was written as a calm, selfless, supportive community that is better together. And on the other hand, they had the art direction to choose from, which would be a proud, purposeful, liberating movement that is freeing and reliable. We then got some images and, uh, that we felt would best represent these two directions and presented it to the EAG members to vote. They voted Art Direction 1 was the one that they felt would best represent the app that they are co-designing. And so, meet Sunny. Sunny is a voice of encouragement that helps to assess a user's safety, recognize violence and abuse, and explore options for support. But who better to take you through some of the features than one of the EAG members, Ansh Barker. Hi, I'm Ange advocate, and I'd like to introduce you all to an app. I have been very proud to be involved in developing. The app is called Sunny, and it's designed for women with disabilities to help them learn about violence and abuse. Sunny can help you tell your story using an easy keyboard. Sunny helps you put your story together and shows you what to take for safety. When you're using the Sunny app, you can always click the hide button and Sunny will transform into a weather app. It's a really important app. Share it with all your friends get as many people as possible aware and using it to help save the lives of 
We'll be passing that applause on to Anne. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure we do. Thank you very much. So Sunny uses um, interactive storytelling techniques to help women with disabilities to understand um, what uh, violence and abuse is and does that in an interactive way at, at the pace that suits them. It helps capture their story by utilizing an, an easy to use accessible keyboard that combines a, a very familiar pattern for them with easy English to help capture their story and share it with someone that can help them. It's really important that Sunny can teach use, um, these women um, about sexual violence and so content and writing content in a way that helps them retain is really important. So we worked um, with uh, members from WIDA to help us write the easy English content. And so you'll see on the left hand side the World Health Organization definition of sexual violence is quite a lengthy paragraph and would be really difficult for them to comprehend. But taking some of the language considerations on the, on the right-hand side, right -hand side um, you can see how that content is distilled and simplified into, a, into an easy-to-understand phrase. And then the way it's delivered in the app is in combination with an icon or an illustration that's familiar to these, to these people. Um, and it really delivers and helps the universal comprehension of this content. Now, because of the trauma-informed principles that we've put into, for, that helped us with the design, designing the app for everyone and the accessibility effort that we went through, it's starting to look like Sunny is extending beyond its original purpose, and we have some amazing stories. Yeah, so um, I've been really fortunate to be, since the launch of Sunny, to be able to um, go to lots of events and promote Sunny, and not necessarily just in the you know, family violence and accessibility space. Um, but I went, I, I went to a conference at UNSW and I was speaking to a maternal health nurse who works in Blacktown in New South Wales um, and they have a high um, a population of migrant and refugee, um, migrant refugee community. And there was a woman that she was working with who was pregnant, who was experiencing abuse, who, um, who, who didn't, who, it, she couldn't speak English. And so she actually used Sunny to help that woman identify what was helping, to, what was helping her. So that was an amazing story. Um, also, speaking to speak people at state trustees who, you know, need to, uh, who work with um, people when they're developing wills and guardianship for people with disabilities quite often those complex that they're talking about, about wills and executors and testaments and things like that can be quite difficult to understand. So, you know, the idea of, of simplifying those difficult concepts into something like Sunny in 12 words or less, so people aren't afraid to talk about wills and things like that. So that could potentially be of benefit for them. And probably um, the most feedback I've got is, is have had is from um, people saying that every teenager should have sunny, especially teenage girls, but also teenage boys, um, because of the language we're using. And as you know, Salsa said before, because we've condensed it, it's words they use, it's iconography that they can identify with. So we're, we're hoping, who knows, it might be in respectful relationships curriculum one day. So yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, and so in conclusion, um, 
we've been hearing it as a constant theme so far in the talks, but we just want to echo it again. Involve real users um, throughout the process. Continuously collaborate while you're designing something with and for them. Have the universal assumption that trauma impacts how we engage with products. And so design for that. Keep that in mind. Um, and make it accessible, but for real. And we think that if we all have to do and create, create products and systems in this way, we can increase access for those that are hardest to reach. Thank you.